What's going on, guys? College football week three has just concluded. And as you already know, we got to go over those takeaways. College football week three, biggest takeaways. And man, this week, a lot of shit happened. A lot of things went down. Speaking of things going down, we've had uh, two top 10 teams go down. First being Wisconsin. Then we had Auburn, but let's get right into the takeaways, and we will get into those things as we go. Now, first things first, LSU, LSU, Louisiana, are they back? Is this the LSU we've been waiting for? Is LSU a legit contender? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hate to burst your bubble. LSU is just, they are not at that point yet. Offensively, they're still trying to figure things out. Joe Burrow is definitely better than anything they've had throughout the past few years. That's obvious. Defense is stout and doing everything they can to keep keep their team in the game. Really, the defense is what's holding them, holding them up and keeping them around. Um... But the thing is, with LSU, especially coming into this year, they have one of the toughest schedules in the freaking nation. They still have to play Georgia. They still have to play Bama. They still have Mississippi State. And they still got Texas A&M. And I see at least two losses, at least two losses in those four games coming up. Georgia, Bama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Of course, Georgia is just continuing to continuing to slaughter, basically, uh, some of the smaller teams that they are playing. They did have a nice win over South Carolina. Of course, that was a phenomenal win. Um, Georgia is probably going to – it should be an L. Bama, I can't see how they beat Bama. Bama just offensively – Ridiculous. We'll get into that later. Mississippi State, always going to be competitive coming into that game. Now it's kind of up in the air along with Texas A&M. So LSU, if they can get their, you know, get together and figure out their offensive struggles, uh, get things fixed pretty quickly here because those games are right around the corner and stay healthy at the same time, they can, you know, make those games certainly more competitive. But I can't see them coming out of that gauntlet and even coming close to competing for the SEC championship. Uh, moving along, we've got Ohio State. And if you watch the Ohio State-TCU game, really good game. Probably one of the better games of the weekend. Uh, we had a pretty good performance from Robinson over at TCU. Haskins threw for two touchdowns. Um, he, did it, he did his part. And uh, Ohio State, man, they're they're pretty legit contender to head to the CFP. Um, they're looking strong on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Urban Myers wasn't back for that game. He'll be back in their Week Four game against Tulane. And also, if you watched that game, you saw that Nick Bosa got injured and left in the third quarter. Didn't return. They're saying it's a it's an ab strain. So. Uh, we don't know how serious it is. They haven't given us a timetable. But with that being said, 
Their next game uh, is going to be against Tulane. I'm assuming uh, Urban Meyer is going to have Nick Bosa sit out in week uh, week four. Um, but yeah, their their schedule looks favorable. Closing out the season, the strongest games or the bet the most competitive games they have left is with Michigan State. Obviously, Michigan State hasn't looked nearly as good as, as we thought they'd be coming into this year. They've got Penn State, Trace McSorley. I think that's basically all they – the only person they're going to have to shut down, Trace McSorley. And Penn State struggled against much lesser opponents. I don't see why Ohio State can't walk away with a W in that game. And I believe their toughest game would be against Michigan um, just because Michigan's defense is, is actually really legit. And by the time they played Michigan, I'm expecting Michigan's offense to be a lot – sharper than we saw in that opener versus Notre Dame. That being said, uh, let's go ahead and move along. We've got the third takeaway. Obviously, Notre Dame. I did speak about them in last week's video, in week two, biggest takeaways. And I spoke about Brandon Wimbush and how his throwing struggles have continued into this year. We just haven't seen him grow into the quarterback that Notre Dame needs him to be. And Notre Dame just looks really poor offensively. And at this point, Brandon Wimbush is basically uh, a one-dimensional quarterback. He's a run-first quarterback. He only passes when, you know, it's 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 required of him to move the chains. And he at this point, he has more carries than his running backs. He's got more carries than his running backs, guys. So Notre Dame at this point, they're just kind of a one-dimensional uh, offense to where they're going to try and get that run game established so that, you know, Brandon Wimbush doesn't have to do that much with his arm. And they're trying to utilize his skill set as best as they can, but I just don't think it's anytime. Basically, my general point is anytime that you're a one-dimensional offense, it's going to make it hard for you to succeed, especially when you're playing against the more competitive teams in the country. Um, I mean, they do have a few tough games coming up against Stanford, against Virginia Tech, and against Northwestern. I think it's it's a bad matchup for them against Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech is typically pretty athletic on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I think they'll have a good chance of containing Brandon Wimbush when he does try to escape the pocket. And then Northwestern as well, pretty good defensive team. Um, if they can come up with the right game plan, I think they, they also might have a chance at upsetting upsetting Notre Dame. Um, pretty much covered it all with Notre Dame. I just think they're one-dimensional. Don't think they're a college football playoff team this year for that simple fact. When they do find the right quarterback, I think they can have a chance at you know heading to the CFP. That being said, we got Florida State. And at this point, it's time to panic. And what I mean by that is this year is certainly not going to be the year that many people expected them to have, not even close to what they expected Florida State to have. They just look, I don't even know, you know, they just don't look like Florida State. Um, you take a look at their schedule. They honestly may come out of this year with four wins based on how they're playing right now, based on how they look right now, they may be a freaking four-win team. They may come out of this season with four wins. I know you may not believe me, but go ahead and look at that schedule. 
tell me who they're going to be favored over. Yeah, possibly Northern Illinois, but after that game versus Samford, barely coming away versus Samford and then getting there, you know what? Their ass is beat by Syracuse. I don't know what to tell you. They may come out of the season a four-win team. Um, and guys, this would be their first losing season since 1976. Since 1976. And that's if the website that I pulled it up from is correct. But don't quote me on it. It said 1976. Their first losing season since 76. Um, FSU, they've got a lot of work to do. I, I'm hoping that. Um, they can, you know, fix some things to at least come out six and six, at least have a six and six season. Um, I certainly thought their head coach would do more with this team. And it's sad to kind of see um, that it's headed in the direction that it's going in. But um, I hope they give them a chance and, and give them more than just this one year. But um, that's, that's about all I got to say on FSU. Uh, let's hope they can turn it around. And let's continue on. Number five, we've got Trevor Lawrence over at Clemson, getting the majority of the snaps. If you watched my last video in week two, biggest takeaways, I told you, Trevor Lawrence is going to become the guy at Clemson. He's going to become the guy at Clemson. He's beginning to get the majority of the snaps. You can see his, his game time is continuing to increase almost every single game. That's been the trend. Um, and obviously, he's the future of the Clemson offense. As I mentioned, the snaps have continued to rise every game. And I don't think they're going to completely eliminate Kelly Bryant. I, I still think they want to utilize his legs and utilize his skill set um, in specific packages. But Trevor Lawrence just looks better when throwing the ball downfield. Simple as that. Simple as that. Um. Yeah, so about all I got to say about Trevor Lawrence. He's, he's going to be the future of Clemson. He's just got a better arm. Just kind of basically the same situation in Alabama with Tua and Jalen. And, uh, yeah. Number six saddens me. Wisconsin. Shake my freaking head. As you already know, if you've been watching the channel, I'm a Wisconsin fan. Have been since 2004. Horny Brook, quarterback at Wisconsin, looks the same. He doesn't look like he's grown from last year. He's throwing the same. He's making the same mistakes as he made last year and the year before. And um, Wisconsin, man, I hate it because I know how to stop him. It's it's very simple. We're one dimensional. We've got a great run game. If you can put a stop to our run game, force our quarterback to throw, it's more likely you're gonna have a better chance of beating us. Overall, we just got dominated at the line of scrimmage. Don't know what happened with the O-line. Um, just didn't look very motivated out there. BYU came in and and stole the win. Given Gaglianoni should have hit the tying field goal. But uh, it is what it is. We didn't deserve to win that game. Defense got beat at the line of scrimmage as well. BYU's run game just took over and... We didn't have an answer for it. I'm going to make a whole separate video on Wisconsin because at this point, it's, it's just a pain to watch. It's just a pain to watch the, the direction that that program is not taking. 
Not that it is taking that. It's not taking. Yeah, some of you may say 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins. Yeah, great. It's not about you can have all those wins, but you want championships. That's what you build programs for. Moving along, number seven, USC. I'm expecting USC to have their first losing season since 2000. Since 2000. And along with Florida State, they may have a four-win season. And I'm not saying this to just freaking – I'm not just spitting these these things out of my ass, guys. Like, look at their schedule and look at their performance on the field so far up to this point. Tell me something different. Go ahead and look at their schedule. What do you see? Which games do you think they're favored in? Because at this point, they've got Wazoo left, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Arizona State, Oregon State, Cal, UCLA, Notre Dame. Best matchups for them at this point are probably going to be Oregon State and UCLA and possibly Cal. And the rest, Wazoo, they're probably not going to be favored. Arizona, not going to be favored. Colorado, not favored. Utah, not favored. Arizona State, not favored. And Notre Dame, definitely not favored. I do think they have a bright future. Don't get me wrong. They've got a lot of young talent on both sides of the ball. And I'm hoping they can put it together because I do like USC. They've been one of those teams that I've liked. But they just haven't been able to put it together. I don't know what, where, what, why, how, what the hell is holding them back. But that's been the case. But this year, like I said, I think it's going to be their first losing season since 2000. And um, guys, number eight, last but not least, Bama. Had to bring them into the conversation. Alabama continues dominance. Freaking dominant. Tua. Tua. Freaking animal. So efficient. So smart. Crazy talent at the skilled positions. Makes this arguably the best offense Alabama has ever had. And some of you may agree, some of you may not agree. It is what it is. But Tua himself, I mean, I don't know the history of Alabama, but he's probably the best damn quarterback you've had there. And I know we've only seen four, three and a half games from him. But based on what we've seen, he's a real deal. He's going to make all the right plays. Of course, he's going to have mistakes here and there. But his arm talent is just ridiculous to watch. By no, mean, by no means, I, I'm, I'm not an Alabama fan. Um, I like watching Alabama now because they have Tua. I like watching Tua play because of how ridiculous his arm is. But he can't play more than two freaking quarters or else he's going to start beating teams 80 to 100 something. If he played all four quarters, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama scoring 80 to 100 points a game. 80 to 100 points a game. He's playing about two quarters a game. And I think the halftime score versus Ole Miss was about 49 to 7. 
and he barely played the first half. I think he played the first quarter. Saban started pulling him, bringing Jalen in already. Now, the O-line has looked suspect at times, but I expect by the time they get to the college football playoff, um, SEC championship, those types of bigger games, they're going to be sharpened. They're going to they would have sharpened up and, and cleaned up some of those mistakes that they've made earlier in the games. Defense already sharpening up. Looked much better against Ole Miss when most people thought Ole Miss would probably have the best game out of all of their opponents against that defense because of what Jordan Talmu brought to the table. And that wide receiver, uh, that wide receiving core of Ole Miss, it is pretty ridiculous. But they got shut down, held to seven points. Um, just ridiculous. Bama, um, a lot of people, you, you, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, Bama hasn't even played anyone yet. I get it. I get where you're coming from. Defensively, they haven't been tested. I understand that. Offensively, they haven't played against anybody. Sure. But this talent alone, the quarterback position, and the skilled players, I don't think anybody can stop this defense. Uh, excuse me, the offense. Nobody can stop Tua. All they're going to be able to do is try and slow him down. I don't think he's he's going to be – I don't think you can stop him. Just don't think you can stop him. Simple as that. Now, if you don't agree with me, if you've got an argument as to how or why someone will be able to stop him, let me know because I would love to freaking hear it. Coaches around the country would love to freaking hear it. Because as they're watching these games progress, as they've watched them in week one, week two, week three, they're probably thinking the same thing as me. I'm not sure how we're going to stop this guy. But we've got to find ways to slow him down. With that being said, I went ahead and created leading Heisman candidates for week three. And at the top, of course, Tua Tagovailoa. He's just too efficient, man. He doesn't. He rarely throws over twenty-something passes a game, and he's got typically three touchdown passes a game. So his efficiency is just ridiculous. He didn't really have to put in much work versus Ole Miss. Coach pulled him after two touchdowns. I've got Trace McSorley at number two. He's just carrying Penn State right now at this point. We've got Will Greer still staying up there even though the game was canceled. I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the nation at this point in time. Brett Ripien over at Boise State. Even though they lost to Oklahoma State, he had a phenomenal game. 300 yards, three touchdowns. Then we've got Kyler Murray just making plays at Oklahoma with his feet and his arm. And then we've got on the rise, Drew Locke is trailing right behind them. Cole McDonald still over at Hawaii, even though they lost that game. And then we've got Cole McDonald's wide receiver, John Arsua, who has about 500 receiving yards at this point with a total of eight touchdowns. I um, think we've just about covered it all, guys. Um, yeah, we've pretty much done it all. If, if you like my content, you enjoy my content, go ahead and hit the thumbs up. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. And like I mentioned, guys, if you've ever got an opinion, you've ever got something to say, drop it in the comments, whether it's good or bad. If you don't like my content, awesome. Like I said, you should drop me a comment. Let me know how I can improve the channel. And if you're listening on my podcast, check out the link in my description. 
for my YouTube. If you want to listen to the just the audio, go ahead and check out the links in the description as well. I'm over on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and a few others. With that, I appreciate your time. This is Justin of The Critic signing off. Catch you in the next one. Peace.